Hey everybody, this is Chris. Welcome to Renewing the Center. It is so good to have you with us today. Uh, ha! Today we're going to be looking at a pretty frustrating moment in the life of the early church. Uh, the Anglican lectionary gets us into 1 Corinthians, uh, which is all about trouble. Um, when you read the epistles in uh, the New Testament, much of what's happening in the epistles um, is just Christians trying to figure out how to live together and work life out together. And they, just like you and me, they are having a hard time. So I'm going to read uh, beginning in verse 10 uh, of chapter 1 in 1 Corinthians, and then we're going to pray and then spend just a little bit of time thinking about division, strife. Now, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. <laughs> I love this. Verse 16 is in parentheses. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. <laughs> Paul, Paul doesn't have backspace, so he's just, he's just trying to work it out. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, I pray that you would help us to look back at what was happening in the early church and even maybe see what might be an invitation for us today. Father, I pray that you would give everyone listening to me, um, including myself, God, that you would give us the courage to think about the relationships in our lives that are not what they ought to be. And God, that you would give us the hope um, to believe that you would want something to happen there, that you have something to say, even if it's something that you want to say inside our own hearts around openness and forgiveness and moving past petty strife. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So Paul begins this uh, passage that I, that I read today by appealing in three different ways uh, for Christians in Corinth to experience unity. He says, be in agreement. He says, let there be no divisions. And thirdly, he says, be united in mind and purpose. Paul is calling Christians to move beyond petty strife and difference and division. And y'all, as we ramp up uh, to another election cycle in the United States, um, all it takes is a little bit of re reflection to think back to um, 2016 and 2020 to recall how divided and how much strife and angst and division and brokenness was manifested in our relationships, I can't think of a more relevant passage for uh, the church in the West. Uh, we have an opportunity to make choices around where our priorities are. 
And what Paul is saying to a church that has legitimate differences. I mean, the Corinthian church, like every gathering of people, I mean, these people were coming from all over the place. You had Jew and Gentile. So there were ethnic racial differences and tension there. There were cultural differences. You had rich people, poor people. You had elites. You had slaves. I mean, this was a church that was full of people just like us. People who were having a really hard time understanding one another. People who are having a really hard time moving toward one another. And Paul looks at them and he says, I want you to be in agreement. I call you to press for no division. And I call you to be united in mind and purpose. Notice there are two positive statements and one negative statement. Be in agreement, that's a positive statement. Be united in mind and purpose, that's a positive statement. And then he says, let there be no division. It's a negative statement. Paul is a calling a group of people who have legitimate reason to have a hard time getting along, to press through and choose to be united because he wants them to believe that that which unites them is stronger and more compelling than the stuff that divides. And I just want to say, I think the same thing is totally true. Christians should be united under Jesus, even if their politics are different. Even if their socioeconomic status is different, we should see the uniting umbrella of the Lordship of Jesus Christ as being more compelling than all the things that could pull us apart. Paul begins this text by saying that there have been reports of trouble. Uh, he basically says, there is division in your church, and I've heard about it. And it's interesting, the word he uses about division here, uh, concerning division in the, in the Greek, um, is, is almost, it's like a fisherman uh, fishing word. The word means to tear or rip. So like think of a net being torn. He's basically saying that's happening. There, there's something that's meant to be together, woven together, uh, supple, pliable, like a net, that's now being ripped. And he indicates that there are arguments that are resulting in jealousy and quarreling. And the word that he uses for united, where he says be united in this text, is the same word used elsewhere for the mending of nets by fishermen. So if, if the sense of division is like a tearing of a net, then being united was, would be a word used that uh, when fishermen would mend nets. He's basically saying you're being torn apart. Now be knit together. So I just, before we go further, I just want to stop and ask you the question, where are you being torn apart? Where, where is there a breach in the net in your, in your network? Could be at home. It could be in your wider community. Where's there a rip? I think sometimes we have to actually uh, like a fisherman would do, we've got to actually pull our nets up and spread them out and intentionally go over our network to see where the rips are. Because some rips are just wear and tear. It's just things get frayed and they get thin and then if you don't tend to them, then a, bre a breach happens. This happens in marriages, it happens in friendships, it happens within the wider Christian community. We have, there are friction points in every relationship. Difference creates friction. 
difference in relating style, difference in family of origin, trauma and pain, differences in personality. These things create friction. There is quite literally no scenario whereby you and me, we can walk through life and not experience friction. That is just part of the deal, y'all. And if you don't tend to friction and the effects of friction, if you don't engage in repair, then friction will result in brokenness, breach. I've had this happen in my own life where you kind of miss something or you willfully ignore something. And then all of a sudden you look down and there's a giant hole. There's a tear. There's a rip. So where are there tears? I believe that it's really important for us to pull the nets up out of the water and spread them out occasionally and say, where are there tears? And I love the play on word there, right? Like if I think about my relational network, um, thinking of it as a net, what does it look like for me to examine my networks and see where the broken places are? I also think it's important for us to examine our networks and say, where are the friction points? Like I understand and know where the friction points are in my relationship with my wife. We're really different. And so there's always going to be friction because her style and my style are very different. And so when you are trying to find one another in the midst of difference, it's going to create friction. There's no scenario where friction's not present in difference. But there are scenarios where you can tend to friction and mend and repair as you go so that you don't end up with a rip. So I would encourage you to look at where the rips are, but also name where the frictions are. Maybe you have uh, one child or, or one of your parents with whom you have a harder time than others. Name where the friction places are. And even if there's a way to safely name it out loud, that's good. Now, you don't want to weaponize friction points. Uh, but if you could say, um, I know I bring, I think this is for me at least, I, I'm, I'm more aware in this season to say, I know that I bring friction into this interaction. This is also true at work. It's true with friends. Where difference can create friction, can you name the friction that you bring to the table with humility? And then begin to work on repair before rips come. I believe that what's happened in Corinth is just that these people have not been keeping short accounts. They're likely not self-aware. When you're self-referential, like you, everything is about you, then all of a sudden the brokenness is always somebody else's fault, right, when it happens. But if the Corinthian church were more aware, if they were more um, courageous in naming the places where they're bringing friction into relationship. So think about like Jew and Gentile. That was a huge issue in the New Testament church. In Corinth, they were having a really hard time. I mean, you had devout Jews who knew that they had to abstain from all kinds of markers of the wider Gentile world. And now they're in a major metropolitan city, Corinth. And all these Gentiles are coming to know Jesus. And they eat different foods. They drink different kinds of drinks. They have different customs. And they're all now trying to figure out how to do life together. These were major cultural, racial, ethnic tensions in the early church. There was lots of friction. And two people who have every reason to divide, Paul says, be united, be in agreement. Let there be no division. I believe that the Lord wants to... um, I believe the Lord wants to challenge us to acknowledge the friction points 
and specifically acknowledge where we bring friction into play through our assumptions, our personalities, our behavior, and to look at where the rips are. And I find it so interesting because if, if you're thinking about a fisher's a fisherman's a, or a fisherwoman's net, um, if there's a rip, you don't go somewhere else to repair the rip. You go right to the source of the rip. And I think this is a problem for many of us. What a lot of us do in the West when we find ourselves in broken places is we just go find different nets. Uh, maybe, maybe the ancient world didn't have as many disposable things as we do here in the Western modern world. And my fear is that because we can go get goods and services replaced so easily, we do that now to our relationships. Things that are meant to be terribly durable now look more disposable. And I just want to say to you that if there are rips in your net, if there are rips in your network, the answer almost certainly is not to go find a different network. It's to go to the place of brokenness and see where you contributed to it, where they contributed to it, and with courage and humility, try to repair where the broken place is. But here's what I also want to say. You can't actually control all of that equation. That's why I think we heed the words of the New Testament that say and remind us, as far as it concerns you, live at peace with all men and women. I've even had relationships recently where I have reached out in an overture of asking to have conversations that would be challenging and difficult. And sometimes people say yes. Sometimes they say maybe. And sometimes they say no. You're actually not in control over every outcome, specifically as it relates to the will and the volition of other people. But what is God asking you to do? What is within your power? And everything's not within your power, but there are things that are within your power. As far as it concerns you, what does it look like to live at peace with all men and women? And I just love the fact that we get to look at the Corinthian church's division and see it as a kind of case study and a lesson for how we ought to approach relationships in our own day and age and our own quote unquote networks. I want to encourage you to think about where the tension points are and where the rips are. And I want to encourage you to do your very best to go to the source of the rip when you can to see if God would work healing. I pray for God's peace for you. Um, I also pray that God would protect you. Uh, there are times where it's not safe to go to the rip, you know. There are times where it's okay to leave a church, uh, where it's okay to let a relationship end. I do, however, think we leave churches and let relationships end way too quickly sometimes. So I want you to hear me say there are real scenarios where it's just time to move on when you've been hurt. But I think there are also scenarios where we have to press in when we experience brokenness in relationships. And I ask God to give you wisdom to know the difference. God bless you. Go in peace. We'll see you soon.